a Christian Circle podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Hello everyone, it's May 2017 and we have a new podcast. Before I go on, let me just say happy Easter to everybody out there who's listening to us and to all of our listeners. Because of you listeners, we've had over a hundred listens on our previous podcast episode that was about Lent. We've also had um, more than 80 listens on some of our previous podcasts before that. So thank you to all our guests, especially Sienna, Stephen and Charles who were there with us on our previous podcasts. So thank you to our listeners and hopefully you'll enjoy this one as well. Today we've got a special guest and that's uh, Maria Garibis Davis. She's going to talk about fellowship and I thought about fellowship because um, you know during Lent we do all these things, these activities, we are involved in multiple things that happen in the church and after Easter we forget all about it. So I thought about fellowship and keeping this up even after uh, Lent gets over and after Easter begins. So you can actually keep up your practices of uh, fellowship activities with your friends, your colleagues, whoever else is um, with you at church. So let's go over straight to the podcast and listen to what Maria has to say. I started writing, I actually, I started doing ministry when I was in college. I ended up um, going for taking a year off of college my parents I was in this I got this awesome scholarship to this great college I was in college and I just it just didn't fit me I thought I was like I hit the big time because I was in this big 10 school and I just I was restless and so about halfway through my freshman year I went to my parents and I was like "I, I want to do a year I want to take a year off and do missionary work and my parents were super worried. They were both immigrants, and they were both like, no way. Like, you know, I came from this big family, like these nine kids. So the, the rule of the house is you went to where you got the scholarship. And so it was this big deal that I got to go to school for free. And so when I said that, um, my parents, I, I just look back, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. They must have been like, what a crazy kid. But they... God love them. They, they, they listened to me and they gave me two rules. They said they wanted me to do something in the U.S. and that I had to get the school to hold my scholarship and come back. So I did. I got the university to say that I could take a year off and I went and did Catholic missionary work in the States for a year in, in Indian reservations and in inner cities. And I came back um, and I just was on fire with like the Catholic faith and really just how universal it was and how much people needed to hear about Jesus and the truth about Catholicism in general. So I ended up transferring to a small school, studying theology. I um, took, um, took some time doing some mission work in the Appalachian Mountains. And then after that, I went to um, become a youth minister in Washington, D.C., took a break to go to law school, went back and did some mission work. And then I've been a lawyer for the past 15 years and just recently got the opportunity to put the mission, the missionary hat or the evangelistic hat back on and start writing for this um, online Catholic website, which is amazing. 
So you've actually had a background in kind of uh, a form of fellowship, right? So give us, uh, tell us what is fellowship and why it is important, uh, especially as Christians. Well, I would say that I think like the proper definition of fellowship is like uh, coming together of like-minded people. So I think we use the term fellowship as social events, but I really think what in the Christian realm, in the Catholic realm, what it really means is it's this common mission that we have as followers of Christ to get everybody to our end goal, which is communion with him in heaven. So I think it takes on a different, like fellowship for us is not just social gatherings. It's social gatherings with a purpose that everyone there has this mindset of, hey, man, the, the world is, is rough, but we can look at it through a different mindset that the world can do what the world wants, but we have an end goal, and that is to live as Christians, to love as Christians, and to get each other to heaven. So that's what I would say. Fellowship, it, it, it does have the social gathering, and it has that component to it, but really the commonality there is that we have a different mission, and it's, it's Christ and it's heaven. It's um, important for uh, Christians to be doing it. I mean, a lot of people would say, um, you know, I'm doing my bit, I go to church, I put in my money, and that's it. Why should I, as an individual who's sitting on the fence, do this fellowship? Well, I agree with you. And I think that for a long time, my mentality was Catholic fellowship as far as like in a parish, in a church. Um, it wasn't appealing to me. I wasn't the the person that was staying for after our socials, even when I was single, I wasn't going to their singles mixers. I wasn't going to their potluck suppers. I think that for me, I felt like kind of a disdain towards it because that wasn't my experience in growing up. We didn't do those things. We did just go to church and come home. And our Catholic community was more of, we went to a Catholic school and we knew people like that. Um, and then one of my friends who I actually went to Catholic school with uh, married um, a guy who was not Christian, and he can, he became this born-again Christian and really became into his faith, and he was very opposed to the Catholic Church because every time he went, it wasn't welcoming, and he did not feel like at home there at all. So she left with him, and they joined this super large Protestant community that really did a great job at fulfilling all of their needs as far as, you know, providing providing resources for their kids that were going through problems and, and prayer groups for, th- for um, you know, when they were facing illnesses with their parents and just a really great sense of community where people were helping each other and socializing and all that stuff. And and so I was talking to her about it once because we had both come from the same kind of family and both gone to the same grade school. And she said to me, she's like, you know what? I love it. I love like how much community there is and, and how great it feels there. But I have to tell you something. I can't tell you how much I miss the Eucharist. I thought about that and I was like, gosh, we as Catholics were missing the boat. That someone, that people, no, really, that people that would know that the Eucharist is something that you receive at Catholic Mass and still feel like they aren't fulfilled there because they don't feel a sense of community is really 
it's our fault and our problem. And I started thinking about how, you know, you Catholics can say, oh, we don't need like the donuts afterwards or to shake people's hands. But when you think about it, Jesus did not do it alone. I mean, he brought together a band of brothers and he had his own fellowship and his own community. And even the reading last Sunday was about Lazarus and why I love Lazarus is because he was his buddy. It was Jesus's friend and he wept when he found out that he had died. And I think that's so amazing that here the son of God who came to the world to save us still needed people and and still needed people around him and still needed his the support so that he could be strong in the agony of the garden, you know, and still needed he still needed his his buddies and his brothers and he dined at people's houses. He still needed to go and have dinner at people's houses. And that's fantastic. And it's a it's a lesson to us as Catholics to open our homes and have people over for dinner and to really embrace that. You say that, I mean, now since uh, you brought it up, uh, don't you think that fellowship is a personal responsibility as well? It's not just about what the church is offering us or what the parish offers us, but how we can, um, you know, build up that community. So what are the indirect ways that, that you see, like, uh, what are the indirect ways of fellowship that you think exist that we are not fulfilling? Well, I think that one thing that that we could learn from from Christian churches mm-hmm. is that they do do a lot of like small group work, like Bible studies, yeah, and things where that are not threatening, where people want to learn things, yeah. and by that they end up meeting people that have common life experiences that can help them on the journey. I also think that there needs to be some mindfulness of people coming into mass that everyone that's sitting next to you in the pew is, is going through something else. And just to extend kindness and courtesy and to, and to invest in your church by attending the functions that they have is really important. And I think one of the, the best examples of this fellowship is Mary herself. I mean, uh, when she goes over to Elizabeth's place, uh, it's because she sees a need that they, and sometimes we fail to see that need, right? So she, right. Goes, and she goes and she fills that need. And I think uh, your your point hits directly that where we need to look at other people and and see what they're going through, and and somehow we can fill in that need and fill in that need. I agree with you. Actually, that's brilliant. I haven't really thought about that before, but that's true. I mean, she journeyed there because she was scared and she was young and she needed someone. She needed some kindness. And, and to share that. And I think that we all need that. And I think that, yeah, you are right. If we, if we miss out on that for someone that's not extending Christ to them, that's not being Christian to them. There are a lot of people who also find that this fellowship is very forced, you know, or very pushy. Like, for example, yeah. if people want to help, they want to know all the details before they help you. Yeah. So how do you keep this, uh, this line, this fine line between concern and intrusion? How do you do this without intruding on someone's privacy? I think this is a really good question just as far as life goes. If you look at, if I look in my life at anybody that I've had any influence in on in general, it's because of a relationship, you know, it's because of actually listening and, and hearing them without having to interject my own self into what they're going through. And I think that a really great way of, 
of trying to be available to people is to, and this is what I try to do, and it's actually been very enlightening. If you took every day and asked, we truly asked the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, to, to make you accessible to whoever may come into your path. It's bizarre how he will lead you. I mean, just, just as far as, you know, running into someone at a grocery store and talking to them and saying something as simple as like, oh, I heard your mom is sick. I hope everything's okay. And not saying what are the details, but just saying, you know what, I just want to let you know that, you know, I've had a common experience or, you know, I, I, I feel for you during this time. I think there's something to be said about just asking God to lead you and, and not, and, and being mindful that, no, no one was ever convinced by someone pushing them off of a, a cliff, you know, of, of actually trying to just be friendly and be nice and be kind and to look out, anticipate other people's needs is way, way more effective than, than um, trying to, to jam something down their throat. A lot of these times, whenever we get into this fellowship, now let's say you've got a... Um you know, a BBQ and then you end up having people uh, drink and then have a brawl or then you have uh, a, an event, a picnic where you're having cards and then suddenly it turns into gambling or you're at uh, another mixer and then everyone's gossiping about the person who's not there. So how do you keep this fellowship still focused on God and not, not all these other negative things happening? Because many Catholics don't come to these events because they end up being these things. That's a really... Good question. I think that for me, I think the only way that I've experienced something like that is I think that in certain groups, especially when women are gathered, <laughs> um, there is a propensity to gossip. And I think that for me, one of the things that is especially I'm especially sensitive to is the let's pray for so-and-so and then them telling you all the details of that person's life, right? And I think I'm sensitive to it because I've had, like, I've had crazy life experiences where I know that people have said, well, you know, we prayed for you in group or something like that. And I'm like, oh, man, but that was so private. Like, I didn't, that, the details of that were like, oh, just hurt my heart. And I think that, like, just, to be mindful and just in that sort of situation. And I actually, I want to write an article about it because it's, it's so, it's, it's, it's difficult. That sin, sin is always there. Where, I mean, and if you think about it, what, what more would the devil like to, to just wiggle his way into than a group of women at a Bible study? Oh, what am I going to do? There's just tea, so I can't do anything there. Uh, everyone's trying to talk about Jesus, so I can't do anything. Oh, I know. I just throw in gossip because we love it. You know, we love hearing about, you know, what's going on in other people's lives. But I really have been, I try in all of those situations to be very attentive to the fact that it's that's not Christ focused and I really think you have the responsibility to change the subject and I have done it <laughs> numerous times numerous times with the gossip thing as far as like the gambling or the drinking too much that's harder for me because 
when you're in a social situation with, um, you know, with, at a Catholic church or something, and, and people are drinking and having a good time, they, there's, I mean, it depends on how things will cross the line. Obviously, if there's a brawl, you hope you get Father McGillicuddy involved or whatever, but, um, you, I mean, you hope most of those things are on the up and up. I don't know. I think, I think that. I think the, the thing about fellowship in general, and, and I am a, I am a, I like to say I'm a convert to many things. I'm a convert to attending women's Bible studies because I thought they were super dorky. I'm a convert to, uh, you know, just a million things. You list it, and, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm a convert to the 54 day Rosary Novena. I hated it, hated it. Now I love it, or all of those things. And one of them is fellowship in the Catholic sense, because, because I, I mean, I, I think I did have a lot of fears about um, them being gossip fests or, and, and things like that. But I think what you realize on the Christian journey, it's so true. It's like my mom, my mom used to always say, you know, and I'm, I'm sure your mom did. And every mom around says, you know, you, you are the company that you keep. Yeah. And you don't get it. You don't get that when you're young. You're like, whatever. I'm sold. I'm reckless. I'm a rebel. But in real life, you are the company you keep. And the older that I get and the more I deepen my faith and try really with everything I have to follow Jesus, I realize that I need that support of fellowship. I need to be able to speak my mind or speak my concerns to people that can see that in an, in, through the eyes of faith. And I think that it's upbuilding, and I think that it's a gift from God. I think our Catholic communities are a gift to us. I think that we wouldn't be able to minister to anybody outside of the faith if you're not fed yourself. And I think that in this day and age of social media and everything coming at you and everything is so social, social, social. I think it's very, very important to maintain Christian friendships, Catholic friendships and, and Christian and Catholic groups on social media and to make sure that's always a part of you that's that's going to feed you so that you can embrace your own Christian journey. On the flip side, you also have uh, various people who are active in these events like you know they'll probably go to every social that's possible and forget to put food in the oven for the family or right all these mixers and then the kids haven't done their homework so how do you achieve that balance because there are so many people who we can bring in to do this fellowship and then the responsibility is divided so how do you ask these people or how do you tell them that you know without or even how do you not compromise on your own family and go about doing fellowship well, I think, like all things, you have to look at your stage in life. So for me, I look at things in my parish and I think, oh, my gosh, I could do that. Oh, my gosh, I could start this awesome women's group. And you know what we do is we do this crazy stuff and bring, like, evangelize and go into the street ministry. Like, I'm, I'm crazy like that. I heard, I heard, a, um, uh, <laughs> or I read an article the other day about Christian women that gave, um, food to women at strip clubs. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start that. I'm going to start that because they were talking about building these relationships. And then 
the, and then I read something about like bringing um, sandwiches to people on the streets of whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to do that too. And I, I have realized, and, and again, this is, this is what's helpful is, is just the example of, of my mother. You have to look at the stage of your life. So for me right now, I have four young children. I have kids from 10 to 2, and I work a full-time job. And I also am trying to build a, a Catholic company. And so, I, and I have, a, I have an amazing husband that I need to be available for too. You know, I need, I have all of these things. And I've just really, I've found that you, in looking at your stage of life, you have to be able to look at what God is asking of you right then. So for me, and this is a great example, for me, I bake food for the people that go down to the homeless shelter. It's not me. I don't have the time to do that, but I do have the time to, I think uh, last week it was bake three lasagnas. I have the time to, to make that so that they can do that. Or I have the time I might not be able to, I might not be able to be at the funerals for the, the bereavement community gives a, a, a dinner or a meal after somebody, somebody's funeral. I don't have the time to be on that planning committee, but I do have the time to make a quiche and drop it off. And so I think those things being involved in your parish and looking at your stage of life and saying, I, one day, I truly hope one day, um, hopefully when I'm retired, that I will be the person that gets to do all those things and gets to run them. But right now, I know that it would sacrifice my family. So I, I try to limit that. I, I've, I've been involved in a Bible study, but the commitment was once a month you meet. And I've been, and, and so that's what I do. So, so I think that that's one thing I would like to communicate to anybody is that don't feel like you being involved in your parish or you trying to participate in fellowship means that it has to be this crazy huge commitment. You can go and look at your stage in life and just do the small things and it will still feel that felt it will still feed the, the 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 faith community and it will still provide fellowship because you'll meet people through doing even the little things that you'll feed and they'll feed back and and you'll need them in your journey. You'll need the Catholic community to know you and you will need to know them when things are hard. Do you think we're guilty of, of not advertising this fellowship? Because, you know, in other parishes, they, they have like banners, they have events, they've got so many things and big advertisements. But um, which do you think is better? This quiet, encouraging fellowship that is this seen only when the times are hard or this constant drumming that, oh, we're having this, we're having that, and you need to get involved here, you need to get involved there. Because a lot of people are not doing fellowship. And if we need to bring them in, which is going to be better? I think that if we just reset our mindset a little bit about the way we interact with people at fellowship activities, I think it would really change us. I think just being friendly to people walking into church, hey, how was your morning? Are you new here? That sort of thing would go a long way. It would be equal to something like offering a support group. Just that sort of you're here and and we appreciate you here and we're here praying in a community I think is is super super important and I think as far as 
advertising and stuff. I don't know if we offer enough to advertise at this point, you know? And I think that as long as we, I think if we all, honestly, I think if we all came to church with the mindset of, I'm, this is my family. It's like Sunday dinner, you know, like, ah, you don't really want to go, but you go and it's a great time kind of thing. I think if we all looked at it as like, this is my Sunday dinner, like this is my Catholic family. And I'm here for a purpose to pray with these people. And we're all here taking an hour out of our week to say, we love you, Jesus. We believe in the church and we're gathered together because we as a community believe in you. And we also want to support each other. I think it would go a long way. I'm not sure if that exactly answered your question at all. What, what, do, you th- what do you think? What do you think the church should do? Well, I think that there are people on both sides, you know. There are some people who don't want all the, the brouhaha with, that goes with the fellowship thing. They just want their needs to be met. And they're suffering silently, and you've got these people who are going through a hard time. I think what goes a long way is listening to people. You know, sometimes yeah. they're not saying what they want, but they're telling you something. And if you listen carefully, um, you can provide fellowship by knowing what they need. I feel... Maybe that's what we should be doing more, listening more instead of doing more stuff. Because our parish does a lot of stuff. We do, like, our announcements take 20 minutes to get over. No! you got to come back to the U.S. <laughs> so, the thing is, I also had a follow-up question. I know this is not part of the list, but um, oh, yeah. how much fellowship requires prayer? How important is praying for fellowship? I think there's two things. I think if you are a person that has not experienced Christian fellowship, mm-hmm. then I think you need to ask Jesus for it, and I think he'll provide it for you. Okay. I, I have been in different situations where I've looked and I've been like, what difference a friend with a Catholic or a Christian friend would do for that person right now? And I've prayed for it, and they've gotten it. And I think that our Jesus, Jesus, is, Jesus understands us. He loves us. And if you feel that you haven't experienced um, a Christian Catholic fellowship or support in your faith journey, I think you should ask Jesus to provide it for you. And, and I believe that he will. I think also um, my first point was pray for fellowship. My second part is that if you want to be a support for anybody in their journey towards faith, prayer is essential. I Like I said, the, the, uh, asking the Holy Spirit every day to strengthen you so that you can be available to the needs of others is extremely important. Uh, and, I, and I've taken up that practice, and I could tell you a million stories about things where I didn't even know someone needed something and I was able to provide it. And that's not because I'm a great person. It's because Jesus acted through me. This is a great story. So one day I was making food, I was making dinner for my family. And I, I just started like trying to do this Holy Spirit prayer. And, and, and the reason is, honestly, it's because I'm not very thoughtful. I'm not a very thoughtful person, but I really, really want to be a thoughtful person. Like if I could be anything, I'd be a very, very thoughtful person. Like the person that's, you know, just, you know, those people in your life that you're like, wow, they're so thoughtful. They remember everything and they're there for me for everything. And 
I've been blessed to know people like that. And so I really want to be that. And so one night I made this huge dinner and my kids didn't like it, even though it was fabulous, I assure you. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, I had double of what I needed. And so I, I was like, I, I just had saved that prayer in the morning. No big deal. I wasn't even thinking about it. And I thought when I was, um, and the, the dinner was hot. And then I thought, oh, I wonder if this, I, I thought of this one friend. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she might want dinner tonight. Because she has, she has four kids. And, you know, she might she might want to have dinner. I mean, who doesn't want um, just dinner? Yeah. Um, it's like every mom's dream to not have to make dinner. <laughs> so I texted her. I texted her. And she She's a she's a Catholic author author and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because she's she I wouldn't have even known if she hadn't written about it in her book, but the thing is she that night she was super sick and she felt terrible and she said right before I I texted her and I was like can I I have extra dinner can I bring it and she said right before I had texted her she had looked at the frozen still frozen ground beef on her countertop and thought oh my gosh god I really I can't do it like I I cannot make dinner and I had texted her and she she says and it's and it's funny how that works that she here I here she is a girl from my bible study who I know the catholic church who I know her struggles and it meant so much to her and I didn't even know that I was being that person to her and that's because it was the holy spirit that was saying you're going to be this. This is how I'm going to use you today. Guess what? You're going to make double the amount of dinner and you're going to think of this girl and do it. And the only reason was because of prayer, because I had asked the Lord that day or the Holy Spirit that day to help me. And so I think it's, I think that you're right. I think that we can do all the hoopla we want in these parish events, but I, I think that if you don't take the time to listen to what people are going through and to truly support them and what they're doing, then it's, then it's nothing. Yeah. It's an amazing, it's an amazing story because I had, I really had no idea and it's, and it, like I'm telling you, it's not, and now, you know what I've tried to do since then is I try to, if I hear it of someone that's going through something, I just get pizza delivered at their house because it takes like 20 bucks or some sort of dinner. Like it, I don't even have to show up. I don't need to intrude into their life. But oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, and guess what? Online, you can just mm-hmm. do it online. Mm-hmm. It costs maybe 25 bucks mm-hmm. to send. Who doesn't want a cheese pizza and a pepperoni pizza, you know, just mm-hmm. delivered to their door. And I've really tried to take that practice on. As far as one of the, one of the reasons why I, wrote that article in the first place is, is just to say, so this podcast is, is refers to an article that I wrote and and it's about fellowship. And the reason why I wrote it is about how Catholics are bad at fellowship (laughs) and how I, and how I, and I, how my perspective really changed when I got forced guilted in to going to a Catholic Bible study, which I did not want to go to, but you can only say no so many times until you look like a big old jerk. So I went thinking that, oh, I'll just go, I'll just go, whatever. And what happened was that these, this, it was almost a sisterhood developed because we were from all these different life experiences, all fellowship and in the true form of fellowship, all with the common interest of living in this world as 
Christians. And just the events that everybody inevitably will go through, how different they are with that support, miscarriages, stillbirths. Um, we had, uh, I lost two parents in a very short period of time. And if I hadn't had those women to support me in my faith and temporal and all my temporal needs and my spiritual needs, then I would have floundered. And I didn't because I had that fellowship around me that was all focused on the same thing, on on our faith and on on getting each other through the journey. Tell us a little about your um, your blog, your website, your business, uh, because I saw your cards and they look awesome. So uh, show us. <laughs> So I write for Altea um, magazine. It's a Catholic online magazine, and um, that's been super fun. But two years ago, my sister-in-law and I started a Catholic greeting card company called P.O. Prince, P-I-O-P-R-I-N-T-S. So P.O. Prince, and it's named after St. Padre Pio. And the reason that we started it is because I was buying really what I thought, um, like ugly old school, um, like old lady cards. Sorry to all you old ladies, but I was buying like super old lady cards and I was writing saint quotes in them. So it very, very clear to me. I, I bought a, a card for a friend of mine. I was, I was looking through this Christian bookstore and I couldn't find any cards I thought were cool. So I bought this like secular card and I wrote in it, ask Jesus what he wants of you and be brave which is by Pope Francis. And I wrote it to her and I was lamenting to my sister-in-law. I'm like, dude, like, ah, why don't, why doesn't someone just make cards with saint quotes that say like perfect things? Because the saints are so underutilized and our generation, I feel like doesn't know what they said. And they said awesome stuff, like amazing things. So we started making cards that only have saint quotes on them for every occasion. Like the saints said things for every occasion. Yeah. So we did that. And what we're trying to do, and it's been amazing to see the reception, is what we're trying to do is to spread the mission of the, the, the message of the saints. And we found that they gap any sort of like Catholic Protestant division because what they said was so amazing and so universal and rings so true that everyone's like, who said that? I love that. I love that. And we're like, oh, well, that's St. Catherine of Siena. And guess who she was? So, so that's what we did. And then from there, we um, started an apparel line, which is really exciting. And it's called um, Strong Words for Strong Women. And it's all workout clothes, like workout tank tops and T-shirts that have awesome quotes from female saints that are inspiring. So that's kind of what we're doing. But yeah, our whole, like, honestly, that's an awesome way of fellowship. You don't even have to buy a P.O. Prince card. But if you go and just write a short note to somebody in this day of all my mail is bills and junk mail, it, it, can, it can really change someone's day. It's a day changer. Uh, also share your uh, social media links. I know it's Len, but uh, just, just tell people where they can find you. Well, I'm happy to hear from anybody on Facebook. You can find me at Maria Garabis Davis. 
Um, Garabis is G-A-R-A-B-I-S Davis. And you can always contact me at P.O. Prince, which is mdavis at poprince.com. Please check out our stuff. I'd be happy always to um, communicate with anybody uh, if you want to send in saint quotes you think are cool for or designs that you think are cool. We're just trying to get the mission of the saints out there. So please join us. <laughs> All right, Maria, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and talking about fellowship. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Maybe, I don't know when we'll do another one, but if you've enjoyed this, then maybe we can do another one sometime later. Oh my gosh, anytime. You've been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you could tweet me at Pamela Q Phones. I'm also on Facebook at Pamela Q Fernandez. So see you next time. Until then, God bless and take care.